Acts chapter 28. Acts chapter 28. I, uh, if you made it back to, to uh, hear the Irwins last week, I heard a lot of good things. I heard a lot of people enjoyed it. And, uh, thank you for being uh, a part of that. Uh, we're in Acts chapter 28 this morning. We're going to begin reading in verse number 11. And uh, we're going to finish out this, this uh, book that Luke wrote us uh, as a history of the uh, New Testament first century uh, local church and, uh, and how the gospel spread, began in Jerusalem and spread to the uttermost parts of the world. Let's all stand together, if you would, please. I will read verses 11 through 13. I'm going to ask you this morning to read it silently with me. And uh, we'll, we'll look at the rest of the verses as we get in um, to the message. Acts chapter 28, verse number 11. And after three months we departed in a ship of Alexandria, which had wintered in the isle, whose sign was Castor and Pollux. And landing at Syracuse, we tarried there three days. From thence we fetched a compass... And came to Regium, and after one day the south wind blew, and we came the next day to Patilio. Father, I pray as we get into the message this morning that you would bless our time of service, our time of fellowship, our time in your word. Lord, I, I pray as we come together that, that, Father, we leave here refreshed and renewed. We thank you for this life that you've called us to. We thank you for the joy of being able to serve you. We love you and we give you thanks in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. So this morning as we continue through this book of Acts, we've been going through it for some time, and uh, we wrap up this uh, letter today. Uh, we, we begin here in verse 11 through 13 talking about Paul's final travels as he is determined, he's not determined, but he's being taken to Rome. And uh, you know if you've been here in, in the recent weeks of this journey of how he's gotten here. He suffered shipwreck last week. He was on Malta and uh, he spent some days there. They were blessed with uh, many goods of the things that were necessary and after three months there on Malta, they, they left on a ship of Alexandria. They started on a ship of Alexandria, and now they continue on. And they, they wintered in the isle. And it says there in verse 11 that on that ship was the sign of Castor and Pollux. Uh, that is two, uh, they're twin Greek and Roman uh, gods, all right? Uh, here's the crazy thing about it. They are half-brothers. How you can be half-brothers and twins is beyond me. But that's false gods for you, right? Uh, as a matter of fact, one of them was the product of Zeus raping his uh, one's mother. If you're, it, it, uh, who wants to worship a god like that? Uh, but that is, that is worth their worshiping. That is uh, the gods of that day and time. They're on this ship of Alexandria, and they are making this journey on the road. And in verse 12, it says that they landed at Syracuse. Oh, they tarried there for three days. And from thence, they fetched a compass, and they came to Regium, 
And they continued, and after one day, the south wind blew, and we came the next day to Patelio. And so they're making this journey. And as they, eventually he gets to Rome, and uh, we'll see that throughout this message. But I want to deal with the subject this morning of the adventurous Christian life. All right? If you say at any point in time that you're bored, I want to tell you something. You're not living your Christian life to the fullest. Amen. If you come to church this morning and you're just, you're not excited and passionate for the opportunity to worship the Lord and to come together as a body of Christ, we probably got your, you got your priorities out of balance a little bit and we're not living the adventurous Christian life. We've been overcome with responsibilities and burdens and things that have otherwise engaged us and have taken all of our time and attention. Jesus said, he says, I, I came to give life and to give it more abundantly, okay? And therefore, he, not only he, does he want us to have joy, but he wants us to give us his joy, that our joy may be full. And so there is something exciting about living a Christian life and uh, just living for the Lord. And we, we, we have seen that in our journey through the book of Acts. There's been one exciting thing after another, some of it really, really good and some of it really, really bad, okay? One thing's for sure, the Christian life is not a dull thing. It is, it is an exciting thing to be a part of. And it's not, all, it's not always looking at what happens today. What we're after is eternal things. And sometimes those things don't happen. Uh, most of you know this. I spent a large portion of my adult life as a carpenter and building things. And I always loved that. Because every day you pull out your tools and you, you begin to labor. You look at a set of blueprints and you begin to put things together. Whether you're nailing them together or you're using a, a battery drill and screws. You're forming something. You're shaping something. And you walk out the end of the day and you say, man, we did this today. It's pretty, it's pretty cool thing. All right? And apply that knowledge and effort and you walk out of here. And I'm going to tell you something. You're tired. Your bones hurt. Your muscles hurt. They hurt, don't they, Cecil? Right? And, and you see all of that. In the Christian life, you don't always see that. You put forth all of this time and energy and effort. And you walk away and you say, I don't even know if anything was accomplished today. I don't know what happened. Because we're living for more than something just carnal, something that we can touch. We're dealing with something that's eternal. Right? And so Paul, Paul always had to keep that in mind, and that is what kept him going. And we looked at that last week, uh, how to have an unconquerable spirit. Well, in this journey, there are some things that I think are really cool that happen. And if, you're, if you'll pay attention to these things, you'll see them happen. It doesn't matter if you're a pastor, if, 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 you're, if you're working behind the scenes doing things, if, if you're living a Christian life that is engaged in making an impact for eternity, you'll see a lot of these things take place in your own life. And the first one is this that we find here in this passage. And it is, it is really awesome, the people that we meet along this journey. Look in, uh, look in verse uh, uh, 14. First of all, there are random people, okay? Most of everybody in here, when you first met, you just met them uh, as random people. You didn't know them. 
uh, you, you, you shook their hand, they told you their name, and by the time you walked and sat down, you don't forgot their name. Does that happen to anybody but me? Right? I, I come up, shake your hand, I say, hey, I'm Ricky, and you tell me your name, and I walk away, and what did they say their name was? Right? It's just a random interaction. Well, all the time, we're meeting people for the first time, new people. And Paul is meeting some new people in this journey. Yeah, he is a prisoner, but God is always putting people in his path. And so as he continues on from Petulio and is, continues his journey to Rome, look at some random people that show up here in verse 15 and 16. And from thence, well, look at verse 14. Where we found brethren and were desired to tarry with them seven days. So these are some like-minded individuals, but Paul doesn't know who they are. It's the first time he ever met them. But I want you to see in verse 14 that they desired to see Paul. And they, they wanted him to stick around with him. And with the approval, I mean, everything had to go through the centurion. They spend seven days together, an entire week together, getting to know one another and praying with one another and fellowshipping and breaking bread together. They found brethren and were desired to tarry with them seven days. And so we went toward Rome. And verse 15, And from thence, when the brethren heard of us, they came to meet us as far as Apiforum and the three taverns, whom when Paul saw, notice this, when he saw them, what did he do? He thanked God and he took courage. Right? Now remember this. Paul is on a journey that he doesn't know what the outcome will be. He just knows that's where God wants him to be. And so Paul is just a man like all of us. And when we're going somewhere and we know that's where God wants us to be, but we don't know what is going to happen, we need some encouragement along the way. All of us need some flesh and blood that is in our path. When he saw them, the Bible says that he thanked God for them. Can I encourage you this morning? Be somebody that people want to thank God for. I think I got 10 amens. Be somebody. Be somebody that when you interact with others, they want to thank God for you. Don't be an individual who... who they can't get away from. Amen. All right? Don't be that into, I cannot wait. Oh, gosh, here they are again. Don't be that individual. That's not encouraging. That is discouraging. Right? Everybody. Don't focus on yourself all of the time. Don't come to church Wanting a blessing. How many times have you ever heard this? Don't come to church wanting a blessing. Come to church to be a blessing. Don't make it about you. I will worship God and I will smile if we sing what, we, what I want us to sing. If we sing these songs, I can always, listen, I can always tell what the spirit of the church will be when I look at the service order. I can always tell this is going to be an exciting service. This service, we're going to get through it. There are some things that we like. There are some things we don't like. Don't be all about yourself. Wherever you are, wherever you are, 
Be somebody to thank God for. I will move on. Be somebody to thank God for. He says here in this verse, he, he says he took courage, he was encouraged, he, he thanked God for these individuals. Then you'll notice there, there are some close friends who are with him in verse 14. He says, where we found brethren. Now Paul, uh, Luke is actually, he's the one writing here. And he's speaking personally that he was there as well. And so there are some people who are with us in this journey that we can lean on when everybody else goes home, those people are still there. And those are the individuals that we can lean on and walk together, and we all need those people. I'll mention some random people, and I'll go back to that other point. There's this guy that I met years and years ago, and uh, I wasn't even called to the ministry yet. I was just trying to help out in the church. And uh, we had this big youth rally. We had all these people come and uh, interacting with these different individuals. And there was this one guy who came that was connected to another church. And I can't tell you his name to save my life, but I can see his face today. We were standing up in the front of the church. And he came to me and he called me Brother Ricky. And he had some encouraging things to say to me that have never left me to this day. I won't share what they were, but they encouraged me that God wanted to use me. And that, that guy poured life into me. I've never seen him again. I, I'll see him in heaven one day, but I'll never forget what he told me. And I will say this, a few years ago, about 10 years ago, I was invited to preach in North Dakota in February. I'm going to tell you something. Don't go to North Dakota in February. You'll see snow piled this high, all right? It is cold in February in North Dakota. I was asked to come up there and preach, and uh, one of the guys that I was preaching with was this guy named Brad Brandon. Y'all know him? Brad Brandon. He was one of the guest speakers. And so he, he preached, and then I preached, and we got to know one another, and we stayed in contact, and and uh, I went up there to Minnesota where he was at that time and preached revivals for him. And, and uh, uh, we, just, we just stayed in close contact with one another. And, and uh, when I say close contact, we talk to one another about once every six months. That's a good friend for me. Right? He, is, he, is that, he has become that guy to me that we can, we can go without seeing one another for a year. But when we sit down with one another, it's like we, we finished our conversation yesterday. We just pick up right where we left off, and we give one another a big old hug, and we, we talk for a few hours, and we just enjoy one another's company. And I, won't, I don't talk to him every week. I don't call, make phone calls. He has just, been a, he just become a close brother. I met him randomly. Amen? And, and the Lord has grown both of our ministries in ways that only God can do. God puts people in our life that encourage us, and we have a reason to thank God for them. And then he puts people in our life that we can lean on. Always have those people. Be someone that people can lean on, those close people. When they've got burdens to share and everybody else is gone, 
they're still right there with you. And then I want you to see that there are acquaintances that the Lord uses. These are people that you don't know, you don't have a close relationship with. They're, and as a matter of fact, they're not even believers. But God uses them to enable you to fulfill God's call in your life. He says in verse 16, when we came to Rome, the centurion delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard. All right, that was his job. He gave all the prisoners, remember all those people that were on the ship, he gave them over to the captain of the guard. But it says in verse 16, but Paul was suffered. He was allowed to dwell by himself with a soldier that kept him. I mean, he didn't have to go to the prison cell. He got to stay in a house. Yes, he was locked up. Yes, he was in bonds. But he got to stay in a house with somebody else. And he was enabled to minister to everybody else. Okay? Thank God for those individuals. They just show up and they're just a blessing. You don't know who they are. You'll never see them again, perhaps. But God uses them to accomplish his will through your life. All right? That's an adventure. Look for those people. Be those people. Love those people. Then secondly, you see here that there are, there are the cause, there's a cause that we live for. In verse 17, Paul, he, after three days, there he's in Rome, and he calls the chief of the Jews together. And the reason for that is because he understands his cause. He knows what he's there for. Go back to chapter 23. Chapter 23, look with me in verse number... 11. Remember, Paul was here and he's being lied about. He's being accused by all the, uh, uh, the Jews. He's saying all these things are being said about him. And the Lord comes alongside of him in Acts 23, verse 11. And it says, The night following, the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, which means to take courage. For as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also. At Rome, And so he's telling them to take courage. The Lord says, he says, you've, you've testified of me everywhere I've sent you. He says, now I'm going to send you to Rome and you're going to, you're going to be a witness for me there. Now go back to chapter 28 and here the opportunity is beginning. And Paul has not forgotten what he's there for. He's not playing his fiddle and singing, woe is me. He's not, he's not crying for God to get him out of the trials that he's going through. He is facing that with the, with the desire to make an impact right where he is. He says in verse 17, It came to pass that after three days, Paul called the chief of the Jews together. And when they were come together, he said unto them, Men and brethren, though I have committed nothing against the people or customs of our fathers, Yet was I delivered prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans, who when they had examined me would have let me go, because there was no cause of death in me. He says in verse 19, But when the Jews spake against it, I was constrained to appeal unto Caesar, not that I had aught to accuse my nation of, for this cause, therefore, have I called for you, to see you and to speak with you, because that for the hope of Israel I am bound with this chain. Way back in Acts chapter 19 and verse 21, Paul mentioned a desire to see Rome. 
the Lord never allowed him to go until now. He gathers the chief fathers together and he begins to tell them how he got here. I was accused of many things, though I did nothing. I was, I was, I had all of these things that were happy to me, but I did nothing against the people. I did, I did nothing against the fathers. I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem in the hands of the Romans. He says, they, the Romans heard me. They found nothing wrong that I had done. There was no cause of death in me, though the Jews wanted me dead. He says, so I constrained and I appealed to Caesar. And now I am here for this reason. The reason that I am here is not because I've been wrongly accused. The reason that I am here is because I've got a message of hope to deliver. He says in that verse, because, verse 20, that for the hope of Israel, I am bound with this chain. Now, how many times have we complained about the burdens of the Christian life? The burdens of that we've, we, we have to do this or, or you know, it's, it's just I'm, I'm, I'm tired, I'm weary. All of these things that we bring up and say how difficult and challenging that it is. Paul has chains on. Remember when he stood before King Agrippa and Agrippa said, Paul, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian? And Paul says, I don't want you to just almost, I want you to be all together, I want you to be all in. I wish everyone knew Jesus Christ. As I wish everyone knew what I knew. They just didn't have these chains on. And Paul says, listen, I am here not because I've done anything wrong. I am here because I am delivering a message of hope to everyone that may not have these chains on, but they're in bondage to sin. And I've got a message of hope to deliver. And because he's speaking to the audience of the Jews, he says, I am here for the hope of Israel. But when he's writing to Timothy in 1 Timothy 1.1, he speaks of Jesus Christ, our hope. He's the hope of every individual. Listen to me. Listen. Live for something greater than this world has to offer. It's exciting. It's exciting. I'm going to tell you something. I get texts from BJ. But I could, I could hear in his text. You, you ever hear people talking in text messages? Casey Labadier, when you text me, I can hear your voice. And you got a distinct voice. I could hear the excitement in his voice. Pastor, I just want to tell you, glory to God, five people got saved. Three rededicated. Two more, two more have an interest. Right? That excites you. Live for something more than a paycheck. Live for something more than just doing stuff or buying stuff. Live for something greater than that. Life is better than that. That's what the world is after. Jesus came to give you more than that, right? And he says, listen, I know I, I have these chains. This is what I'm here for. I'm here because I've been lied about. I've been wrongly accused. I, I've been, people wanted me dead. That's what I'm here for. But I'm going to tell you something. I, I may have these chains on, but I've got something that will free you from the bondage of sin that you live in. Do you remember in 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 13? Paul said, we sorrow not as those which have no hope. Because everybody's going to die, James. Everybody, everybody's going to face eternity at some point in time. 
It's a lot better to face that when you know Jesus Christ is your Savior. He removes that fear. He removes that bondage of sin. Because understand this, the Bible says that all of sin had come short of the glory of God. And our sin separates us from an almighty God. And none of us can ever get to God. We cannot get to God. And so the only way that we had any hope is God sent Jesus to us. And he says, I'll take their sins and I'll nail them upon the cross. I will die for their sin, the sin of the whole world. Every person, doesn't matter what color you are, what nation you are, how much money you have. I'll die for everyone. Whether they believe me or not believe me, I will pay for all of their sin. And he did it upon the cross. And then they took him off that cross and they put him in that tomb and they buried him for three days. And on the third day, Cecil, up from the grave he arose. Amen? And he's alive. Jesus is alive. And he came to seek us and to save us from our sin. And all that we, he, he offers this gift. I've done it all. I've bundled it all up. And all you have to do is receive this gift for yourself. And by faith, just put your faith in me that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We didn't have to do anything for it. Don't have to earn it. We just have to receive it. When we were without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. And when we receive that gift, we receive the gift of eternal life. And our hope is no longer in things of this world. Our hope in eternity is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Now, now if you've got that, go share that with somebody else. Because it's exciting. It's exciting. It's exciting to be rejected. Okay, think of it like this. Do you want to stand before God at the judgment seat of Christ and say, Lord, I told a hundred people and a hundred people rejected you? Or stand there and say, Lord, I felt the need to tell them, but I never told anybody. Which one would you rather be? Right? At least... At least put yourself out there because you'll never know what happens if you don't go. Right? So don't be, don't be scared. All right? Don't be afraid of that. It's exciting. And I'm going to tell you something. Nobody, Zach, nobody will ever come to Christ if, you, if everybody keeps their mouth shut. Right? Nobody will ever know. And so just, be, just live something exciting. Lord, I'm going to put myself out here and I'm going to see what you might do with it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go fishing today and see if we can't catch something. And maybe we come back empty-handed and we don't have anything, but I'm going to tell you something. God saw our effort. God saw what he did. And I'd rather lay my head down at night knowing God said he gave everything he had. He came back with nothing, but he gave everything he had. Then to come back and say, I just sat at home in my lazy boy. Amen. Sitting at home in your lazy boy is boring. You're going to die sitting, you're going to die fat and old and ugly sitting in a lazy boy. Amen. Get out of that lazy boy and live life a little bit. Live life a little bit. Exercise a little bit by just going somewhere. All right? 
Put your phone in your back pocket and let it count the steps and say, if nothing else happened, I got a little healthier today. All right? Go, I mean, live it. He understood his cause. He, he had many things to whine about. I'm going to tell you something. People don't want to be around people who whine all the time. Right? Many things. He had many things to whine about. But where do you see Paul whining about it all the time? He doesn't whine about it. He just says, man, for the glory of God, this happened. I'm here. I wouldn't be here telling you about Jesus Christ if I didn't go through that right there. Amen. It's just another story to tell. It's another testimony that I can share with somebody. All right? It's an exciting thing to live for the Lord. Now, he, 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 he speaks there the hope of Israel. Now, let's, let's, let's get on. Verse 21, you see some divine appointments. And I love divine appointments. All right? I love it when either God puts somebody in my path or somebody contacts me and said, Hey, preacher, I want to talk to you about something. I was leaving here Wednesday night, and uh, Pastor, I had Pastor Brandon speaking on Wednesday night because we was working on this set, and I asked him, I said, Would you cover Wednesday night for me so we can get this taken care of? And uh, I was, we got everything cleaned up. I was headed out the door. I was going to run home and take a shower real quick and be here by 7 o'clock. And on my way out the door, I saw, I saw two people walk up, walking up. And I could see they had something on their mind. And they said, Preacher, are you busy? And I said, Yeah. I said, Yeah. I, I said, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get home and get uh, cleaned up and changed real quick. And I said, Why? What you need? And they said, Well, my daughter wants to talk to you about getting baptized. I said, Well, I got time. I got time. And I, I, I came back in here and I sat down on that table over there and we sat down together and I talked about her salvation and when she came to know Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior but she never followed the Lord in baptism and so we went through all of that. I made sure that she knew that she was saved and had no reservations about it whatsoever. I wanted her to understand it's all on Jesus Christ, it's not on her. And so we went through all of that and explained baptism and praise the Lord on January the 14th she's going to get baptized. Amen. I'm going to tell you something. You'll make time for those things. Right? Now, watch verse, verse 21. Watch, watch what happens here. He's got these people gathered together. And it says, And they said unto him, in the response, they said to him, We neither received letters out of Judea concerning thee, neither any of the brethren that came showed or spake any harm of thee. In other words, what they're saying is, Nobody from Jerusalem sent us anything about you. And the brethren who came from that direction, they, they said nothing bad about you. So in verse 22, they said, So we desire to hear of thee what thou thinkest. For as concerning this sect, okay, concerning Christianity, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. All right? Verse 23. And when they had appointed him a day, there came many to him into his lodging. They set up a time on Sunday, 10 o'clock. We're going to gather together. We're going to come to where you are, and we want you to speak to us. All he said was, Mark, this is all he said. He said, listen, I am here in these chains because I have a message of hope for all of you. And they said, listen, we want to hear about that. We're going to accept your invitation. And on I'm just adding this. On Sunday at 10 a.m., we'll come and we want to hear. 
Will 23,000 people show up here next Sunday? What do you think? No. But let's say we invite nobody. How many is going to show up? Zero. So put forth some effort. He just says, hey, I want to speak to you. I got, I got, I'm here because I got a message that will change your life. And they said, okay, we want to hear more about this. So on Sunday at 10 o'clock, we're going to come, and we want you to help us to understand what Christianity really is. You tell any preacher worth his salt that, he is going to be fired up come Sunday at 10 a.m. If you tell any Christian filled with the Holy Spirit and a desire to be saved, they're going to change the, they're going to, they're going to walk into this church a little bit quicker than they would otherwise. Because something, preacher, something, I just know it, something exciting is going to happen. So, they show up. It says, and let's look in the middle of verse, let's just start at verse 23 again. And when they had appointed a day, there came many to him into his lodging, to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses, the Torah, and out of the prophets. We're talking about the Old Testament here. From morning till evening. Man, give us some hearers like that. From morning till evening, they sat there and they heard the word of God being taught and delivered. And he's showing them this is who Jesus Christ is. He was prophesied way back there in the book of Genesis, chapter number 3. He was way back there. And here he come all throughout the Old Testament. All of the scriptures that we have, all the prophets testified of him. This is him. And he's the one that came to be the savior of the world. And in verse 24, some believed the things which were spoken. And guess what? Some believed not. That just happens. But how exciting it is to have an appointment with individuals that you have the opportunity to share about Jesus. And in verse 25, and when they agreed not among themselves, they departed after that Paul had spoken in one word. Well, well spake the Holy Ghost of Isaiah the prophet and our fathers. He's, he's quoting Isaiah 6, verse 9. The Lord uh, uh, quoted this passage as well. He says in verse 26, saying, Go unto this people, and saying, Hearing you shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing you shall see and not perceive. For the heart of this people is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have they closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. Not every person is going to hear it, but it doesn't mean that we shouldn't deliver it. Amen. And I'm, I'm going to tell you something. There are some who will receive it. And then you get to the last point in verse 28 through 31, and that is this. Wherever you are, be all in. He says in verse 28, Be it known therefore unto you that the salvation of God is sent unto the Gentiles. There I am right there in verse 28. Somebody deliver the gospel to me. And, and he says that they will hear it. In verse 29, And when he said these words, the Jews departed, 
They had great reason among themselves. In other words, they had something to talk about over lunch that day. Right? I can't say that. They, they went from morning to evening. They had something to talk about when they went home for dinner. All right? And so they had a lot of things to talk about. Great reason among themselves. And it says in verse 30, And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house and received all that came in unto him. And he wrote letters, the prison epistles. He wrote those letters, Philippians and Colossians and Philemon. He wrote those letters and he sent them out from that location there. And all that came in heard him. And what did they hear? He says, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no man forbidding. Nobody stopped him. Nobody said, hey, you got to be quiet, preacher. Listen, I'll tell you this. There's, there's somebody in our church who has a family member that was, was Islam for a number of years. Started asking questions. Started contacting a relative and is asking questions. Started hearing the gospel. Started listening to some of our services. And she got saved. She is so on fire for the Lord. She is going to work and she talks about Jesus so much. Her employees called her in and said, listen, you're taking this a little over the top. You've got to quit telling people about Jesus all the time. I have a question. How many of us have been told that? How many of us have been complained about? You talk about Jesus too much. Huh. He had all confidence. No man forbid him. Nobody said, shh. Nobody said, that's enough. Everybody just came and knocked on his door and said, preacher, can we talk to you? We want us to tell you about, will you tell us about this Jesus? My cousin heard about him. He's a changed person. I want to know about this Jesus. Hey, would you, tell, would you tell my kids about this Jesus? I know when I got invited and I came and I heard about him for the first time, it changed me. I want my kids to know this Jesus. Tell me that wouldn't be exciting. Tell me that wouldn't be exciting. Here's what I'm saying. Live a little bit. Right? Live a little bit. Let's, let's close with this. Philippians chapter 4. Let's close right here. I'll read this one verse and we'll be done. Matter of fact, why don't we go ahead and uh, y'all come to the piano. Philippians chapter 4, look with me in verse, verse uh, 22. One of the, letter, the past uh, prison epistles. Look what he says there. All the saints salute you, chiefly they that are of whose household? Caesar's household. Man, how could Paul have reached Caesar's household if he didn't wear those chains? Right? And they're so on fire for the Lord. Paul, what are you doing? Well, I'm writing a letter to this church in Philippi that got started. I mean, I, matter of fact, I was a prisoner there when I was there, when we got it started. I was in jail there, and I led a jailer to the Lord and all of his family to the Lord uh, one night when an earthquake happened. I'm, tell me it's not an adventure. I was in jail for something that I didn't do but help somebody. People didn't like it, so they threw me in jail. 
they whipped me and beat me and my blood my back was shredded it was bleeding and at midnight me and Silas we just started give me some liberty here we just sang we just started singing amazing grace we just started praising the Lord and it was midnight and it was late and people were wanting to sleep but we just wanted to praise Jesus and all of a sudden, the place began to shake and tremble, and an earthquake happened. And I'm going to tell you something. It was an only God thing. Our, our chains came off. The doors opened up. We were free to go. It was like God was delivering us from this place. And I looked out that door, and there was that chief jailer, and, and he took his sword. He rose from the bed, and he supposed that we were all gone. When he saw the doors open, he took that sword, and... He was going to take his own life. And for just a moment, I thought of what that guy did to me. I thought about the smile on his face with every lash that he ripped across my back. But I remembered the things that I had done to others. I remembered the hurt that I caused many others. And I thought, but for the grace of God, there go I. I was saved, not because I deserved it, but because God loved me. And he spoke to my heart. And I not only became a believer in Jesus Christ, but now I'm a preacher of the gospel. And when I saw that jailer about to take his life, I called out to him, do thyself no harm. Don't hurt yourself. We're all right here. And that jailer threw down that sword, and he come running to me, and he says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And he took us that night, he took us out of that place, and he brought us back home. He brought us to his home. And he sat his family down. And we shared with them, we shared with them the same message I've been sharing with you. There's only one hope for man, and that is found in Jesus Christ. And I remember it well. His whole family came to Christ that night. And I thought about this, that would have never happened if those people didn't lie about me. That would have never happened if I never was mistreated. It would have never happened if I didn't put these chains on me. I could have been bitter, I could have been angry, I could have been hurt, I could have given all kinds of reasons to keep my mouth closed. But when I saw that man who was about to enter eternity, I had to share the same hope that was given to me. We went out that night. He wanted me to baptize him that night, middle of the night. Before I'd baptize him, he took an old rag and he took that water and he began to wash the blood off of my back. I imagine that guy had tears. He caused that. He hurt that man. He washed those wounds that he had caused.
And Paul would have turned around and he would have taken that jailer. And he would have took that man and buried him in the likeness of his death and raised to walk him in newness of life. And that father would slush over there and here come mama, buried in the likeness of his death, raised to walk in newness of life. Here comes the kids splashing through the water. One by one, buried in the likeness of his death, raised to walk in newness of life. Professing their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't get that testimony sitting in your lazy boy. It's an adventurous life that God has called us to. Stop being boring. Stop settling. Go where God leads. Look for opportunities. Thank God for the people that God has put in your life who wants to pour into you. Be those people that encourage someone else to keep going. Help your friend. Be somebody that they can lean on in their trials. In closing, Paul could look at the Caesar's household and say, I'm just riding to that church back there. And I'm telling, I'm telling them about your story. How you came to Christ. Because the message of hope is for all people. Let us bow our heads.